Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on our Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to interesting guests who will challenge the way you think. So this was kind of fun because I, I got a chance to throw Randy under the bus here a little bit. Well, it was kind of fun. I, I accepted that challenge. So we talked today to Jonathan Wrights, who is a master coach for a reason. Um, he's got some ridiculous number of hours in coaching folks and coaching coaches. It was really fun to kind of challenge, challenge the concept of coaching and see him really redefine uh, what what good coaching is. And if you are a if you're listening to this and you're a coach or thinking of becoming a coach. There's some real gems that Jonathan drops for us uh, towards the end of this interview. Here we go. So Jonathan, I, I have to give you a little poke here because uh, you started right in as, as, as we sort of entered our virtual studio here and told us this great anecdote about your early years in broadcasting. Yeah, I, I I was I was doing the news at a uh, at a station that is still on the air and that some people in in the Midwest of the country would recognize. It was on a Saturday morning. It was early. It was I don't know six thirty or seven o'clock in the morning, and the disc jockey threw it to me, and I started reading the news. And I, I'm working through the process, and then the the news booth door opens, and he comes in, and he's got a Zippo lighter with him. Now you got to remember, this is in the late '80s or early '90s, late '80s probably, and I'm holding a piece of paper that has my uh, my news copy on it. Now, paper is this thing that we used to print words on so that we could read them back to to ourselves uh, when when necessary. And he pulls his Zippo lighter out and he sets the piece of paper on fire, and it's burning up. As as the seconds are ticking down, as I as I'm reading down the page toward the through the stories, the paper is burning up from the bottom, and <laughs> my hands are on the side, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this and not let everyone who's listening know that he just came in and set my news copy on fire, but I managed to keep it together long enough to end the newscast, you know, and that's the news. It's seven oh five, and they went back and then I quick. They turned the microphone off, and I shook the paper out, and I pounding, I'm pounding on the counter to uh, put the fire out, and nobody had anything that was any the wiser except the disc jockey that had done this. He was back in the DJ booth by that point, laughing his head off. So now we have to call you the unflappable Jonathan Reitz. Well, we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, I do say that... Uh, if I can handle that, there's not going to be a whole lot that's going to throw me off my game if I'm focused enough. So hopefully that, hopefully that will turn out to be the case in today's conversation. I love that. So I'm going to dive in here quick and do one of those, I don't know, some crazy move where I point to Randy. Maybe I do a double, double front flip and then uh, like the splits and then I'll kind of point to Randy here. But I'll, I'll, like I'll do that. that by saying, <laughs> nice, I'll do that by saying Randy hates coaching. There you go, Randy. Your turn. Oh, I really? like that. So I, 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 yeah, yeah. So I, I scratched the internet, right? 
and you just give it a little scratch and there's 25,000 coaches out there that have, uh, you know, they're 20-somethings, they've got no experience, they've got no knowledge, they haven't achieved anything. They've done a, a six-week or a five-week or a four-week online course that they've paid two grand for and they hang out their shingle on the internet and say, I can coach you to achieve your goals. Really? Why, why are you different to those guys? You, you know what, Randy? I hate those people too. Just, just, <laughs> just, just, just to be honest with you. And if you are one of those people who is listening to this, I'm going to say to you, shame on you. Here, 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 here's, here's the deal on, on why. Here's, first of all, what to look for when you're hiring a coach. And secondly, here's how the kind of coach that I am is different than that. I have 25 years experience. I've got a long track record that I can point to of people that I've helped navigate through leadership challenges in multiple levels of organizations. I've got over 300 hours of coach training. I've got over 7,000 hours of experience. I've written a book on the topic of coaching. I teach in not only a coach training school, but also a major university. The background, the training, the core component is completely different in what I do than the folks that have spent two afternoons at the Holiday Inn by the airport and say that they are going to be uh, uh, they're going to be life coaches or a coach that can help you accomplish your goals. Now, if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I can help you," and you find out that that's their their training, ask them to talk to previous clients. Ask them to talk to somebody that they've worked with, or ask them about you know what is the core of your reflective practice when it comes to your coach training, because coaching from someone who has a background, from someone who has a depth of experience, is a tremendously powerful experience. Coaching for for someone who is wondering about what do I do next and how can I how can I uh, you know put my shingle out and immediately begin to generate a five figure a month income, that's probably not going to be the kind of person who's actually focused on what's important to you. They're going to be focused on what's important to them, and that's the critical difference. So hopefully that that at least addresses a little bit of the hesitation. But I agree. If you run into somebody that 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 has one of those training kind of training backgrounds, walk up to them, give them the back of your hand, and tell them that was from Jonathan. <laughs> so it's fun to fun to think about all of that. And what's interesting is kind of in this first. In this first section of, of our interview with you, your polish is apparent. I like that. I'll work on my, and which is remarkable, polished yet still authentic, still, still wonderful. So in my side of the shop, I'm always trying to unpolish things, kind of bring out the sandpaper. So I'm curious as to under that sandpaper, the, the piece of your profile that stood out to me on LinkedIn, for example, was the, the really great one-liner about uh, your wife and daughter, trying not to coach them. <laughs> so what's the unpolished version of Jonathan that, you know, you as a kid, you in college, you when you're starting out, that funny quip on your LinkedIn? Well, here's the truth of it all, is I am not a natural wired coach. This does not come naturally to me. I I would much rather consult you. Now, the difference between the two is the coach walks in and uses questions to draw 
out what's important to the other person. The consultant comes in and gives you their opinion and then invites you to think about how you might take advantage of the consultant's wisdom and insight and move toward whatever it is you're working for. I would much rather tell you what I think. I would much rather put it out there to you and just say, you know, hey, bottom line, here's what I think you should do. Let me know when you're done. The problem is, is that doesn't really work. It's a, it's not an effective strategy in most cases. You, you know how this goes in adult education. The things that we learn, the things that we discover, the things that we piece together for ourselves are the ones that actually have an opportunity to change our thinking. And I am, uh, I am living proof of that. So I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. I, uh, I dropped out of college after my, my first year. I had multiple attempts to uh, work through multiple attempts to go back. Never actually did it. Got into radio and television because it was a, a, a lot more stable and reliable than stand-up comedy was. So I, I immediately began to work in two really significant industries that had incredibly low stability, stand-up comedy, and then radio and television. The only thing that's less reliable than that is being self-employed, which is what I've done for the last 15 years. So isn't, isn't radio sit-down comedy? So stand-up comedy at night you know, is sit-down comedy? There, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot of wisdom to that. When, when, you, uh, when you do radio the way I did radio, it wasn't so much sit-down comedy. It was sit-down talking. I thought it was a lot funnier than everybody else did. But that's why I got fired 11 times in 13 years. You know, I, I have the gift. Well, I had my broadcasting career had the gift of walking into a situation right before it would explode. Now, what does that do for you as an executive coach? You begin to get really good at identifying situations and what they look like right before they explode, which is often when coaches, people come to coaches. So it has turned out to be a really interesting and valuable training ground. But it, you know, Kent, I'm going to be honest with you, it really started because I thought I was getting into coaching to tell people what not to do because I had had all those bosses in my broadcasting career. That's not what coaching is at all. <laughs> at least ideally, that's not what coaching is at all. So that, that begins to, uh, to give you a sense of the, uh, of, of the unpolished side. And I'll leave out the 35 years of depression and the fact that I'm 11 years sober on top of it. Because those, uh, wow. um, th- th- those have unpolished components to them as well. Uh, congrats. And so before we move on, before we push on, I got to ask, do you have any one-liners or stories from the stand-up life that, are, that you still have handy? Um, I, I have a couple. I, I have a couple. I don't think the majority of them would be appropriate for the folks that are <laughs> listening to this. Because here, here's, here's the one thing I will say. I really can't go to a comedy club anymore because the vast majority of stand-up comedians are in deep, deep pain about something. And standing up in, in a room full of people, and, and you know, the, 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 the common belief is that comedy is actually easy because the, the, the audience wants to be entertained. I, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think the audience wants to be mad at you. And it's your victory that you, you actually entertain them to the, uh, to, the, to the point that they laugh and that they want to jump into the conversation. But, but next time you see a comedian, no matter who it is, no matter who it is, see if you can pick out where the pain is. 
because it's there. It's 100% there. I will, I will virtually guarantee it. Now, the big name folks, the Jerry Seinfelds of the world, they've worked really hard to get healed, to heal that pain, to, to put that pain behind them. But it's still there if you, if, if you watch closely. And I would throw out to you that the big lesson that I took from comedy is that I didn't need to distract from the pain that I was feeling, which is what I was doing when I did comedy. But instead, I, I, I needed to work on turning that pain into some kind of an asset. And that was part of the shift from standing up in front of a group trying to make them laugh into standing up in front of a group and trying to make them think about, hey, what's actually going on in their life and what's actually important in their life. And to do that with a little bit of humor. You know, I hope it's still fun. I hope there's still some humor to it, but I hope it's humor with a point and not just humor because I don't want to deal with what I'm actually feeling. Right. So I, I'm the business geek of the, this partnership. Um, so I want to jump to, to business for a minute. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen statistics that show things like 82% of coaches never make more than 50 grand a year. Um, 70% of them go back to get a job within a couple of years. The failure rate in the coaching industry is incredibly high. So what's the business model that would lead to success as a coach? For, for our listeners who are thinking about coaching or are coaches, what's the model that, 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 that they should be following? Great question. Great question. In, your, in the early stages of your coaching career, you must have multiple revenue streams. No, no question about it. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you to this point, I have never exclusively coached. Interesting. Now, in my current business model, I have three revenue streams. I do, I do deliver coaching. I, I have a roster of executive, coach, of executive coaching clients. Interestingly enough, I've had the, roughly the same number of clients for about the last seven years, but they've, they've now become distributed throughout the world. This is one of the things about the about uh, online communication platforms is a good coach can literally coach anyone anywhere in the world these days. That wasn't the case even as recently as four or five years ago. You know, five years ago, the same number of coaches. I, I have 26 clients mm -hmm. right now. I had 24 four years ago. Uh, four years ago, 20 of them were in a situation where I could get in my car and I could drive to their office. Today, out of my 26 clients, I have 16 countries. That's a change, yes. So that, that, that's, that in and of itself, because the playing field is so, is so large, says you've got to have more than one revenue stream. So that's my first one is coaching. The second one is coach training. I, I run a training school and invest some of the things that I've learned over the years in, in other coaches. I run one of those things that, that like, like what you were taking shots at earlier, Randy, mm -hmm. about, you know, people come to the coaching school. However, it takes a, it takes a year in most cases and you're absolutely brutally assessed it throughout the process so that we're sure you have the chops when, when you get to the training process or the end of the training process. So that's the second, that's my second revenue stream. And then my third revenue stream is I, I, I represent a behavioral assessment called the Harrison assessment. And that makes me, you know, that makes me a small portion uh, of my overall revenue. I have in the past had a fourth revenue stream, which was speaking, but I shut that down. Actually, uh, I, I would love to tell you that I was really seeing the future and I was way out in front of 
the the whole COVID-19 thing because I shut down my speaking business in the middle of 2019. But it didn't because it wasn't because I saw a global pandemic coming. It was because I was tired of spending four days a week in hotels, four nights a week in hotels. And I'm just not as young as I used to be. So I, I decided to move away from that particular component. And I'll probably reactivate that on a limited basis once we're fully past all of this. So that's an example of what I think is the number one business development mistake coaches make, which is assuming that just because they tell a few people that they're going to, they're, they're now a coach, that clients are going to pursue them. Mm. Because not only do you need multiple revenue streams, you need the mindset that clients don't find coaches, coaches find clients. So that, that, that is critical. Yeah. Yeah. It's critical. So for those people thinking about entering the coaching arena, um, there's all sorts of these business coaches, life coaches, all sorts of coaches. What's the personality trait that would most likely drive them to success? Oh, man. Um, you only asked for one. Can I give you three? You can give me three or f- ten. I'm, I'm, all right. I, I don't charge I, 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 by I, I, the word. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. I think there's three. I think there's three. Uh, number one is helpfulness. You've got to be really invested in using the abilities you have to help other people succeed. Coaching is different than every other relationship type out there in that there is no benefit for the coach inherent in the back and forth conversation. It's all about the other person. It's all about the person being coached. And in fact, that means that certain career types or archetypes or, or behavioral profiles really struggle to be coached because it's so important for them to have a two-way relationship and a coaching relationship is not. So helpfulness is the first component. Second is you've got to want significant challenges. I want to work with leaders that have the hard challenges. I'm really not interested in, in the conversations that are about, you know, well, how do I make my life work? There are people who are much better at that than I am. And, and, and if you come to me and that's what you want to work on, I'm probably going to help you find one of those other folks because that, that's just a different kind of challenge than what I want to take on. And then the, uh, the third piece is you won't be surprised b- about this, but it's, it's taking initiative or being conscientious. That's kind of a universal success predictor, regardless of career. And it's absolutely important in the coaching world. Now, as a split corollary on the, uh, in light of those three, I'm going to throw out one other thing. And that is that now in today's day and age in coaching, you do have the option of, of coaching for a large entity. There are organizations like Ezra or BetterUp or, you know, lots of different large scale, pretty wide reaching organizations that focus on delivering coaching services. 25 years ago, when I got into this, that wasn't an option. You either worked for a company that had one or two coaches, which is how I got started, or you put out your own shingle and you started trying to develop a clientele, which is what I moved to over time. Now, if I were 30, like I was when I got started coaching and starting to think about what would I do for, uh, for my coaching practice, 
uh, and if I were 30 today, I might consider throwing in with BetterUp or Ezra or one of those other large scale coaching conglomerates four or five or six years so that I knew I had a meaningful skill set. And that's the, the fourth thing I'd throw out to you is you have to have a very realistic assessment of your own abilities. There are some coaching topics where I am the perfect guy. I am convinced, I will say this with all boldness, I am the best guy you can find anywhere in the world to work on on a certain list of coaching mm -hmm. topics. It's a pretty short list. Right. And I work really hard to find people that have that, that, those problems. Everything else, there's probably somebody better. What's that list? Where can those people find you? And what else do you want to shill here? <laughs> I, pre I, I appreciate the, uh, the honest and direct, uh, hey, what are you going to shill here? The list is this. I, I want to work with, with leaders who are at the midpoint of their career or, or potentially moving into the C-suite that have a high openness to understanding themselves better because not everybody does. And this is the most important thing, who are starting something new. I'm really good at those early coaching those early phases of some new initiative. That just appeals to me, uh, partly because I enjoy the, the, the launch process and the reinvention process. Now, I, I don't have an industry that, uh, that I prefer or anything along those lines. Some coaches are really specialists in some industries along those lines. But that process is, is that's, that's where the lines intersect for me. S since you opened the door to shameless shilling, I will. Uh, I, I will say that. I didn't that, say uh, shameless, but, it, but if you want to go to that level. <laughs> uh, well, the, 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 I did edit myself on the stand-up stand comedy story, so perhaps the shameless part is not quite, quite exactly right. But I will, I will throw out that I believe coaching skills are a multiplier. It's one of the things that separates managers from, le from being leaders, and there is a difference. And uh, if you go to Amazon, uh, there's a book that I wrote, Coaching Hacks, Simple Strategies to Make Every Conversation More Effectively. Can, can be a real help in moving you from being a manager who's productive and who gets stuff done into being a leader who not only gets stuff done and who is productive in those kinds of things, but also multiplies the abilities of the people around you. So that would be a, a seed I would plant called Coaching Hacks. Awesome. So all those people out there listening to this that um, fall into that category of being the stepping up executive, doing something new, how do they find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Jonathan Wrights, R-E-I-T-Z, or jonathanwrights.com. And uh, if, you, if you throw that into Google, a whole bunch of things come up, including some coaching demos. If you want to get a sense of what this coaching engagement uh, opportunity would be like, that's a great place to check them out. So if you're listening to this, or even if you're not, go check out Jonathan's. <laughs> that was a good one-liner, right? Yeah, I, it is. I, I kind of flubbed it at the end, but uh, I thought it was a good one. But go check out Jonathan's site and his book. And yeah, thanks so much for talking with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So thank you, Jonathan, again, for being so interesting. I mean, from newsreader on fire to coach on fire is great transformation and i thank you for the openness that you shared all this stuff with us yeah i like uh one thing that the listeners won't won't have a chance to to see it was during the interview when he was telling a story of the uh, of the news copy on fire he was kind of 
showing us what it looked like. You know, he's reading with his eyes and kind of holding the piece of paper, but what a story um, to kind of keep in mind. This, this really helped yeah, me rethink kind of what I think about coaching and, and the value of it today. So speaking of coaching, which we are not, uh, if you would like to find more about Kent and myself, you can go to thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a little um, little button on the top right-hand corner where you can click on that and do a very short one-minute assessment. Uh, and we look at your visibility and your strategy and your influence. And if you like the way we sound or if you just like being challenged in your ideas and ideologies and all that good stuff, feel free to subscribe to us or unsubscribe if you're subscribed and you really can't stand us. I think that's said too much already. I think that was too much. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Have a fantastic day.